Hello and welcome to episode 29 of Das Nostalgia podcast. As usual, I'm your host, Anatoly, and today for your listening pleasure in my virtual studio is another guest. Sir, please introduce yourself. Hi, I'm uh, Matt Bradley Shergi. I'm the author of the films of Uwe Boll, volume one, the video game movies. Uh, I'm also working on a game for Uwe Boll at the moment. I can't really talk much about that. Uh, and I was on here for Das Nostalgic podcast i think maybe four years ago we did the leisure suit larry interplay 10th anniversary and talk about some of the maxis sim games if i'm remembering correctly yes you are the guest uh, with the most appearances oh no <laughs> nobody ever came back more than twice so i'm glutton for punishment yeah no it, it, it's good it's good and Thank you. um today we are going to tackle uh, a sort of um I guess uh, we're not really digging too deep, right? We're we're going right for the for the PC gaming classics because today we're going to talk about the uh, Commander Keen series. What made me think of this is I, I saw all these advertisements in my Twitter feed for uh, Doom Eternal. You know, one of id Software's first thing or their first game actually was Commander Keen and uh, Keen. I keep on sounds like I'm saying Keen like as in royalty. Uh, <laughs> I um and it was a game I played in in middle school with a, a pirated copy of a friend's uh, version of it, and uh, I was playing the, these uh, today. You know they're still pretty fun. I, I think there's a lot of things to to talk about both the historically and about the games themselves. And the thing you have to remember is is when these games were made, and at the time having that smooth side scrolling Nintendo style stuff going on in PC gaming was revolutionary. Yes. Uh, I absolutely see. Here's my thing. Uh, I'm a I'm a big PC gamer, as as anybody knows, and uh, I love platformers and everything. I am actually I was never that fond of the Commander King games, especially not, um, not of the original trilogy. Um, even when it was so revolutionary, but it, revolutionary it is. Uh, uh, so I, I respected it. It's not like I think, oh, they're terrible. No, they're not terrible. It just, uh, well, uh, I guess we'll get to that. And we should address the the whole id software uh, part of it, uh, which is, I mean, technically Commander Keen, uh, the original trilogy was released before id software even existed legally as a company yes so technically it's not the first uh game that they released but it was certainly the first game released when they formed uh you know when they officially registered uh id software as a company which i believe was in february of 91 um while the original trilogy was released in december uh of um uh, 1990, uh, which is that's weird to say that how long that's that was, you know, this year is going to be 30 years. Oh my god, that's You're right. That's crazy <laughs> to think that how long ago that was, and also it's crazy to think what the turnaround was on on games back then. Well, I guess not all games because you know 1990, you know, there, there's there's plenty of games. You know, there's Prince of Persia, there's uh, whatever you have. All the year games, which took. A significant amount of ch like significant amount to develop. While you look mm -hmm. at like id Software's output through just 1991, and I think it's 11 games uh, total, just for that one year alone. Sure, or Apogee for that matter. You know, did a lot yeah. of well. Apogee was also a publisher, so it's like a bunch of different sure. people. But like 
uh, can, like id software specifically just like four, like four and a half people. So <laughs> for all the projects, it's, it's, it's quite, uh, crazy to, 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 even now, like now we have those sort of things, like, uh, even, um, uh, some, some devs now set up like, you know, a, a Patreon for a regular, like short game development. And you still don't see a turnaround that quick. Um, even, right. even when people race for, uh, for like a quick development things. And yet at the same time, those games are recognized classics, revolutionary classics, not just some throwaway stuff. Well, I can't say that all of the 11 games from id Software's 1991 output are revolutionary classics, uh, but like at least half of them are. So that has to count for something. But I guess we, we will start with a little bit of a, uh, because I think in this specific case of the first trilogy, the technical stuff and the historical stuff is a bit more interesting than, than, than the actual games. Uh, yes. I, I've said this before. This is what it's gonna be. <laughs> so, uh, so, so the story starts in, well, a while before, but we're gonna skip all this because this has been covered a million and a half times, right? Everybody knows, you know, John Romero worked for Softdisk, which was a, um, a disc mag publisher. He uh, got, uh, was friends with uh, Tom Hall, who also worked for a different department, and eventually uh, he convinced to start a gaming division called Gamer's Edge, hired uh, um, John Carmack, and uh, eventually Adrian Carmack joined them. Uh, Jay Wilbur was their producer, and that's how id Software was born. Uh, but before we get to Keen, and we'll skip all the Gamer's Edge stuff. Uh, it's not as important, but uh, that uh, that technology, the uh, from whatever that was like EGA and VGA programming book uh, that I, f- I forget the author, a, f- a famous book at the time that Carmack was reading, and he figured out he read about EGA latches, right, and figured out how to do smooth scrolling. And around the September, sometime in September of 1990, they did that demo, Dangerous Dave and Copyright Infringement. Um, which is like a ripoff of the first level of Super Mario Bros. 3 with their own character, uh, which after that they spend the next weekend uh, polishing up a, a short demo um, of like a more Mario 3-like uh, stuff that they that they eventually end up sending to Nintendo who end up rejecting it. And it's funny because now you can actually see that. Like you can't play it, but there's video footage of it online that John Romero put up. Mm-hmm. Um, for years, yeah, nobody knew what it looked like, and now you can actually go and take a look, and it actually looks fairly sophisticated. Um, it looks pretty close to Super Mario Bros. 3, um, very surprisingly. In fact, it looks more complex than Commander Keenan that being, at least to me. Yeah, I recall from the footage, especially the animation of the coins when you hit the block was, was well done, and uh, the first I heard about that that game that they the demo that they did that uh, copyright infringement was in uh, David Kushner's book Game Over, mm-hmm. um, which was sort of a large scale history of, of mainly Nintendo, but kind of touched on some other things as well. And I, I just could not believe in it, that Nintendo didn't want to do anything with it. But on the other hand, Nintendo is a lot like Apple. They're, they play things very close to the vest. They don't like to share. It's Yes, it's true. They did want to take away, uh, even though I always argued the markets were very different. But, for example, Nintendo mm-hmm. f- Nintendo, like brazenly gave away like interplay 
the license to make Mario educational games or uh, to even like high tech expressions to do a print shop that's Mario themed. Oh, yeah. So they would be involved in those additional easy to get markets uh, of completely unrelated stuff like edutainment and print shops and whatever the fuck else. Um, but they weren't about to give away a piece of a platforming, you know, fast platforming pie. And yet you had the, the weird CDI things Nintendo did with Mario and Zelda, but which is later. And that's also, you know, they, they weren't for it. They were just unlucky enough to give the license away. It was the same thing. They gave the license away yes. thinking that they're going to be a joint venture. But when they separated, the other people still ended up making products. I'm sure Nintendo weren't f- fond of that happening either. But by that point, it was too late. Uh, to stop that train while in the 80s. Although they did, uh, you know, there is a port for PC-88 of the original Super Mario Brothers. I mean, it's hmm. only terrible in the sense that it's very limited by the technology of that computer. So, yeah, it's 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 awful to play, but it's, it's in a sense, it, it was only as good as the port on that machine was going to get. Uh, and it definitely wasn't competing with a smooth scrolling, because it doesn't even scroll. Like it's it's screen flipping, um, uh, so yeah, where it's very chunky and it moves from one uh, screen to the next. Yeah, so it's not it wasn't the competition to the to the to the Famicom and and you know uh, so which I guess in a sense, its software's version was more off. Like it's it gave a bit more of that vibe, but being rejected, you know, um, its software guys. Uh, decided to develop Commander Keen for Apogee, for Scott Miller, who convinced him um, to publish it f- for... Uh, he would publish it for them uh, d- uh, using his uh, sh- newly found... You know, shareware existed before. Apogee did not invent shareware. But what Apogee did invent is essentially demos. Uh, giving away a part of a product... Uh, as shareware, because before shareware was like, oh, if you like it, send me 40 bucks. Didn't particularly mm. work that well, uh, especially not for games. So Scott Miller was like, oh, one part of a game can be shareware, and then the rest you can pay for. And that worked out very well for him <laughs> um, and, and most people involved. So, But id Software were still on the contract with Softdisk, and they were supposed to deliver, you know, uh, games for the gaming magazine. Uh, every two two months, so they sort of, while they also did that, they also developed the first Commander King trilogy in uh, three months. Um, so the official launch date is December fourteenth of nineteen ninety. We know for a fact that's when the original shareware episode dropped. Now most sources point to the other two episodes being available at the same time. I don't think that's the case. And also a lot of other sources point to uh, episodes two and three not even being finished till December 18th. So, But as as usual, the case was shareware games at the time. Shareware was available uh, before the, you know, because you couldn't go walk into a store and buy it on the same day. You know, even if you like the the shareware product, you have to you have to call up or fill in the mail in the order and it will be sometime before you got the product in no matter what. So four days before it finished, you know, you'd figure it was at least a few weeks 
so for all we know, you know, some people do speculate that the actual following episodes weren't available till 1991 at all. But again, not really confirmed anywhere. So, but let's say December 14th, 19, uh, uh, 1990 is when the original trilogy drops. And uh, it's uh, a very interesting platformer. It's sort of very much in style of the uh, uh, other platformers of the time, in the sense that it's very abstract and whimsical. Tom Hall was the creative director at id Software and responsible for, well, pretty much uh, all of the story, a huge chunk of levels, and uh, most people don't know that, but the majority of the graphics... Uh, Adrian Carmack did not end up joining until episode 3 was already in development. Commander Keen is Tom Hall's baby. And uh, since I guess you've replayed the games recently, I'm going to turn it over to you. Sure, thanks. Um, yeah, I mean, Tom Hall, he, he made one of my favorite games from sort of the, I guess, the late 90s, early 2000s. Oh, yes. Uh, Anachronox, a game that, best game nobody played. To this day. I know, man. It, it I, at least it's on GOG day. and stuff, like that's something. But it's... It's wild. They use uh, it might have been like the Quake Two it's engine Quake or something. Two, yes. Yeah, to, to do a heavily <laughs> like SquareSoft Final Fantasy inspired kind of game, and to try and do that with that engine is sort of ludicrous. But like it, it works in spite of itself. It's, and it's, it, it's a great game. Anybody who listens to it and who hasn't played it, I, yes. I, I, I'm not. I, normally, I would cut something something like this out. But please go play Anachronox. It's 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 really worth it. Sure, but yeah, Commander King. So it. Yeah, replaying the game, what came to mind that made it a bit different um, and also made it feel more like a PC game than, say, like a console game, you have the science fiction theme, which you seem to have a lot more in, in computer games mm-hmm. like, oh, I, I don't know, uh, Wing Commander or or Masters of Orion or anything like that. So you have aliens, right, the 1950s kind of killer aliens coming. And also that your character has a gun. I think that's pretty significant. Yes, n- not the Nintendo. Well, characters. I guess a kid having a gun. A kid, uh, yeah, not, yeah. That's, that's a great point. That's yeah, a bit, not, that's a bit different. Not not the Dirty Harry. Yeah, not like Dirty Harry or, or the Robocop. the Contra game yeah. or um, some of those other Nintendo arcade or Konami games. But but yeah, this you're a little kid with a football helmet and it looks like he has pajamas on or something, and he has a gun. To shoot the gun, you have to push two buttons at once, which is fairly annoying but yes and 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 the jumping is weird i I don't know what it is but something about nintendo and mario for for, uh, my money at least is the only side scroller that really gets jumping right Mm -hmm. and it feels so tight and the the, the jumping in commander keen is a bit floaty but you do have a pogo stick which i think is a pretty good mechanic that you can whip out and it it gets more of a a super floaty jump and get those hard to reach places and you really got to time your jumps to get them done, and uh, also adding to the whimsical thing is uh, you have sodas, you have candies, you have all kinds of fun Willy Wonka-style items as you go around, and uh, you mentioned Mario 3 being the inspiration for uh, Dangerous Dave and copyright infringement. Just like Mario 3, this has an overworld. That doesn't make it an open uh, open world game by today's standards, but what you do have is you can see you're on an alien planet and you can see there's a place you're trying to get to to uh, get all the, the pieces of your spaceship back together again. And the combination of, of all these things, I mean, it's very much focused on the jumps. I would say it's much harder than like a a Mario game oh, yes. or very hard. I mean, I, I could barely get past the first level. I haven't played these things in a long time. And they're they're quite 
uh, difficult going back to him, pretty unforgiving. It's like one one hit and you die. Uh, very much like arcade game mechanics. But um, even though it's EGA, it's a, it's quite a good use of color. It's it's very colorful, although the sprites are tiny. Like yeah, I sprites never are tiny. But I understood that. Uh, in that way, it looks more like a uh, a Game Boy game. In that way, it, I mean it. it uh, the character is being so small emphasizes the verticality of the levels. You do a lot yes. of jumps, there, there a lot are of some really levels tall that jumps. Are like completely oh, vertical, uh, yep. which is like and yeah, the screen scrolls in all directions. So like uh, some levels are a bit. Yeah, all the levels have a, a, quite a lot of verticality to them, but they range from like long levels with like let's say three screens high um ceilings to like things that are just completely vertical it's 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 pretty crazy it's pretty creative but it is a, a bit of an unforgiving um game for sure and as far as jumping goes it's really weird because the character jumps in a forced arc but yeah. you have a bit of an air control for you can sort of slow down and 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 fall short of that arc i don't know if it makes sense you, you have a little bit of control after you make that jump. It's not intuitive. No, um, no. But it's better than nothing. Like it's better than playing like a dizzy game where you're just doomed <laughs> to 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 an arc that you committed to. Um, so yes, which is weird coming from, you know, like they they built on top of the Mario Three clone demo, which I would assume would have. Decent air control. I mean, I can't judge it. It's only a video I'm watching. Mm. Uh, but I guess yeah. this, del- I, in my mind, because of this, I think it's a deliberate design decision, and feels like a kind of a, 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 a bit of a misstep, along with having to press two keys to fire a gun. In, in better news, you, you can play with a gamepad or a joystick, and I would recommend that as the way to play this game. I think it, it's much easier than using the keyboard. You can get. Um, Maybe not as much accuracy with the gamepad, but it feels it feels more right to me for this sort of a game. Mm-hmm. I guess. I'm too used to playing with keyboard. I do always remap the keys though. So, like, what I, do you remap I, them to? Uh, to to Z and X instead of Control and Alt. I, that never like every platformer that I can read, especially old id games. Mm. Uh, and I reverse and I reverse them too. Like I do the the opposite of Nintendo, I guess. Oh, interesting. Um, so the the, the B, jump would be the B. The jump would be Z. Yeah. And because uh, it shares one of the keys that you use for uh, for shooting a gun with in, enabling uh, a pogo stick after you collect it, um, mm-hmm. and pogo stick also has that mechanic of you getting higher and higher with with each jump, which you know the game has a lot of secrets and stuff like that. So a lot yeah. of collectibles. It's very much a high score. It's from that uh, time where we still didn't give up on high scores, and the high score was a big thing. So the high score tables and all that stuff, um, despite uh, you being able to save, uh, right? Yeah, you yeah, can you save can in save. The first game, right? So you can save, and I think that that makes a big uh, difference. I mean, of course, it's a PC game; you yeah, should be able so to save. But... All of the early id games, it's it's so weird because they all still have until Doom. They all still have a live system, which is weird because even if you download <laughs> some of the betas for for Doom, they they do also have a live. It wasn't until. Oh, I didn't know that. Like huh. uh, they didn't give up on lives till later, but the lives were almost always obsolete because all those games were PC games. And naturally, what would be the benefit? Like it was fairly was fairly unheard of at the time to have a 
PC exclusive game that didn't save. It seems like just a natural thing for the platform because it's a PC. Uh, one thing PC does really well is store things. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, so they all had a live and a score system, but also allowed you to save and restore. And it took a while for games to work away from that, which is really funny to think. Sure, and to see it in in a, a platformer is a is a bit novel, but but still nice. I'd absolutely rather have that than than not have it. As we mentioned, the game oh, gets God, yes. uh, gets difficult. And I, I was thinking about uh, the pogo stick mechanic. It reminds me quite a bit of the uh, Capcom Nintendo game Ducktales, where you're Scrooge McDuck and you can uh, hop around on your uh, cane. Yes, does Ducktales even predate that? September eighty nine. And this came out December 1990. So, so it could have been an influence. Could have been. I, I haven't it's heard never, it being it's mentioned. Never, it's never mentioned in anything. Yeah, we can we can just ask Romero. He usually answers. I think yeah, he he's been pretty open. Um, um huh, yeah. So it could have been. Uh, but I also I never because it's never mentioned. I never, I never think about it. And you know, I am a big fan of uh, Nintendo Capcom games. So Darkwing Duck is severely underrated. It is the best Mega Man game, not titled not, Mega Man. Not Mega Man. <laughs> yeah, that was my Mega Man. At the time, Apogee released games and episodes, right? Uh, and yes, they yes. were named episodes, but it, for some reason, chose to actually name them as separate games. Uh, so even though, like, when you buy Apogee's Duke Nukem, right, it wouldn't be Duke Nukem 1, 2, and 3. It would be Duke Nukem yes. Episode 1... And episode two, episode three. Commander Keen, for some reason, specifically makes a distinction to say that they're different games because they follow through that numeration throughout the rest of the series. Um, I found it weird. And we should address that, you know, shareware games usually had fairly crucial flaws, flaw in the sense that the first episode was usually the best. Of course, (laughs) yeah. The the free episode was was the best and the rest was kind of more of the same and commander keen uh the first trilogy very much falls into that category they're essentially mission packs with slightly different graphics and more enemies and some more items but nothing new is introduced in them and uh we should point out that at the time each of the episodes uh cost uh $15 it's actually wait, hold on. I have the, I have the. I took a screenshot. Uh, now that I think about it, I was like, does, the math does not make sense. Okay, so you could even see this is weird because they advertise the shareware as included. So you could like, why would you r- register Marooned on Mars? It's free. But either way, you could register. <laughs> I think that's how they're selling it. It's basically each one of the episodes is fifteen dollars, even though the first one is shareware. Oh, you get the cheats and the book. You'd get the hint book, and I guess it would be in a package instead of downloading. That's what you get for $15. So you can get pay $15 for each of the episodes separately, or you can order the entire trilogy for $30. So it's $30 no matter what, basically. They're just making it look like you would save 15 bucks, but you wouldn't be seeing that message if, if you didn't have the first game. Um, $30 for the time is kind of... Uh, it's interesting how those things work, right? So $30, three months of development, um, a handful of people. You'd sell a, a few a few thousand copies. It's pretty good. Right. Pretty good money. Actually, in fact, really good money. I mean, by today's standard, I, I think if someone was to release a game just like Commander Keen, 
uh, episodes bucks. one, two, and three, and, right. and charge sixty dollars. It could be it's it's twice by now. Uh, you know, it's been thirty years. Well, I mean, yeah, what it would be worth, but I'm thinking now if someone even tried to charge thirty dollars, oh, no. that would be high. That would be Everybody way too would, high. People were like, "Why?" Like Commander Keen, like a like a primitive platformer, and people would be like, nine bucks is yeah. too much for this." <laughs> So like yeah so right. but at the time that just feels like a it's it's a pretty good uh, short turnaround and they had additional income from you know Gamer's Edge their paycheck and stuff so uh, it it turned out to be it turned out uh, well for them and Scott Miller so of course they continued the idea was to make another trilogy but uh, please sir go on into keen dreams i have plenty to say about that one though <laughs> uh, well i mean there's the the guy who has the rights to this one i, I, I do want to yeah, mention let's do point this out up front right so uh, yes for yeah, anybody for who it. hasn't been following me or whatever the currently keen dreams is available uh on pc uh although uh it's uh the, i'm not sure that the itch your release was taken down so i'm not sure where the new pc version <laughs> would be available at the moment but in case it crops up, uh, it's also available on Nintendo Switch. And um, I want to put it out there that as of recording of this podcast, please don't buy it. Uh, the rights to the game for the last five years have been owned by... by by Well, let's put it... Okay, an unstable person. Like, I, I, I do want to call the guy an anti-Semitic Nazi, but, you know... He's and he said all all the things that would, you know, that I would attribute to that person. Um, I have receipts on my Twitter. If anybody is interested, said to me directly, as well as uh, other business partners of previous business partners of him who would like who chose to remain anonymous, but did give me a whole bunch of communication from him to release publicly um, to dissuade people from buying um, uh, King King Dreams on 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 the switch so don't do it um just saying or at least be aware that that that's who gets the money part of the money when when you pay for king dreams which by the way has been free for for longest time uh das version has been released freeware like years after its original release doing some research here i mean one way these games became available after id software became more popular is they did um, Gamers Edge did re-release the games that id Software did for them yes. as the Lost Game Collection of id Software. It's not j- just that. I mean, they released. Uh, you know, King Dreams was made for so the rights weren't owned by id or Apogee. Uh, King Dreams was owned by Softdisk because it was originally yes. released as a part of uh, Gamers Edge, and not even as a part of Gamers Edge. It was actually released to promote Gamers Edge. It wasn't like officially released as a part of it. Which Gamers Edge was a company within a company, I guess the division, but also it was the name of the games magazine, which you would pay subscription for, and every two months you'd get a couple of floppy disks with brand new games that its software would develop. And and yeah, but those games were released and they were owned by a different entity, which when that folded, uh, eventually were picked up by f- uh, a company called Flat Rock Software, who tried re-releasing them and stuff. But eventually they auctioned out some of the properties and uh, the the person who ended up owning King Dreams, they actually, they didn't even put up, it was like three grand or something like that or grand and a half. It was some ridiculously low amount of money. Uh, if I only knew, I would have bought them. But he put up a Kickstarter and people gave him money 
and he mm. now as a result of this uh, owns the license to those games um, and unless he really needs the money I don't think he's going to be selling it anytime soon so yep right but I, I was the thing I was looking at was showing from uh, the soft disk thing called lost game collection of id software mm-hmm. even though not all of it was id software the price for this was um for this compilation was 69.95 jesus christ so, for yeah. for it had keen dreams which uh, but it also had things you know like cover tank 3d the catacomb games rescue rover one and two dangerous dave uh, tiles the dragon and slordax those i have not heard of shadow knights mm-hmm. so i mean for 70 dollars for that for those would have been even old games at the time i mean is pretty ridiculous especially when you consider what that would be in 1990 dollars yeah um i mean but also you got to remember softdisk really tried to capitalize on id software's involvement for like the next like after they separate after they separated right. they re they before even that they re-released all the games physically through frogwares uh, frogwares no frogwares is a the sherlock holmes people um frogware oh yeah um yep. uh, and because of i don't know what rules they were but or something why the, uh, the retail versions had to be called differently but they also renamed all of the games in those re-releases so they tried they sold those id games multiple times over you might as well i mean first off the bat the box art for this is horrible well, i really can't stand it. yeah I mean, what, what this looks like—it's—it's it's bad, and the game itself looks much worse than the first uh, three yes. episodes. It—well, it, it looks technically—it's it, like a st- we didn't talk about the the second trilogy yet, but it's like a stepping stone, uh, right? Between the two, it uses sort of like a Dangerous Dave Two engine. You know, the engine we we say engine now, but engine at the time was basically you re- reusing a bunch of C libraries. So you're reusing the same techniques. You don't just, you know, back in the day, that's what engine was. Now, when you're working with an engine, you're essentially only dealing with the high-level stuff and you leave the underlying engine to do, you know, everything else. You don't touch it. But back in the day, it was just, you sort of, the, we refer to engines as reusable library techniques. Uh, so, uh, and uh, we don't actually, at least I don't know when... Um, uh, when Kin Dreams actually came out, we know it's before the second trilogy, and the earliest advertisement that I could track down for it was in the fall issue of of Sierra's Interaction magazine. Um, when was it actually released? I mean, the in- Interaction magazine. What was the first game that was packaged with it, and when it came out? I don't know. A lot of the ads for it do fall on December. Uh, of uh, 1991 which would coincide with the release of the second trilogy but you know magazines have to be prepped in advance so I, we would assume it was available at least a month or two before and it's it's all new technology Keen is now like even graphically in in a way it's more sophisticated the problem with it is is not technical things it looks worse just because it's ugly <laughs> like it's ugly the, 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 color the colors you that have... were chosen are, are weirdly weirdly ugly they crash together brown yeah not not as good contrast of of colors keen itself looks like he's in like cga (laughs) he's in this like pale light blue um and and the game itself is annoyingly bad (laughs) like i'll I'll, I'll say uh, i'll say one thing 
I like about it is the enemies are, are cute little potatoes and squash with eyeballs, and some of the animations are sort of fun. Yeah, I mean, it, it had an interesting premise because the story is Commander Keen doesn't want to eat his vegetables. Jesus, and, and yeah. he, he goes to <laughs> he goes to sleep, and in his dreams, which is where the title comes from, is he is fighting against an, an army of 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 vegetables. Um, the way it's done is like now. I do like that the graphically. Again, we're, we're going to get. We're going to return to that when we talk about the second trilogy. But uh, things are sort of like mm, not exactly side on as in a classic platformer. Things are now um, sort of displayed from a slightly angled perspective, um, and I like that. Uh, King now can climb poles and. Uh, and uh, can he grab the edges in King Dreams, uh, or is that only in the? I, I believe that's in in the later ones. I but the, the big difference, um, I mean, besides climbing up and down, and you have a bit, you know, kind of, I wouldn't quite say isometric, but it's there's not better isometric, and it's not, no, but it's there's not more of a three dimensionality. Is the shading the, is, is it the bleak? I don't know. I, I'm not good at all those stuff, but you can see you can see the floors basically, like. Offense. Right, instead of being a flat line, yes. it has some some depth to it, um, which is good. But in, in the first one, as we mentioned, you have a gun, mm-hmm. and and you shoot it, and it stuns the enemies most of the time. In this one, um, you don't have a gun. It's violence free, even though all your enemies are vegetables. So, like, it wouldn't be too much violent to begin with. But yeah, you have like a a, a thing. I forget what they're called. Flower it's power, just, like flower power. Yeah. But it looks like. Pellets. You, Looks you, like you're throwing like turds at them or something. A rock at those vegetables, and you throw it. it, it any any platformer which had a, an arcing weapon has, has that ever worked out in in the history of gaming, just generally? Because I don't think it it has been done, and every time it's been done, it's been annoying as hell. Because yeah, you have a limited. You, you pick up those rocks and you throw them mm. in an arc, and if it hits. Uh, a, a, a veg, an enemy vegetable. It turns them into like a derpy flower, but only for a little bit. However, if what I do like, if you throw a rock and you miss, you miss the thing. It sort of bounces off the level, and you can pick it up again. That's a nice touch. Right. So you're not completely screwed without ammo all the time. Um, although, I mean, it's not like you get tons and tons of bullets to to shoot at these people, or not vegetables, <laughs> rather. But, and and you as you're moving around and in the game, the derpy flower, it really looks uh, to me a lot like the um, oh, the flower from Undertale. I guess. Like, maybe. I mean, it's a sunflower. They don't, or whatever. <laughs> they don't look that. It's it's always going to look kind of the same. But it, that derpy flower haunts my dreams. It's very disturbing. I don't like it. It it's not a flower. Is not a vegetable. Like maybe it could have turned into a fruit. I don't know. It it it's yeah, not. It makes no sense. There's a, it, it, that's the thing. Yeah, it makes no sense. The levels are not well designed, and there's a very crucial floor floor because you have to collect bombs for the final level, and they're completely optional. So you you can kind of screw yourself before when when you reach the end of the game, and you you cannot know that. You know what I mean? Like that's a big right. flaw to me. And the game is really short. It's like twelve levels long. Yeah, shorter than the other ones. I mean, I would say it's more of a fantasy theme than a science fiction theme. Oh yes, it it, it stands out like a sore thumb because it's ugly. It's inconvenient to play. 
It's annoying. It's short. Uh, originally, uh, I mean, it has uh, the sound effects now can optionally be because the original game only has. That's another thing that we didn't mention. It's it's old enough to have just PC speaker exclusive, PC speaker. and it gets yeah. annoying fast. It, it it's cute. It's very of its era of of shareware games, but it, it gets annoying quick and it's really loud. Uh, for uh, King Dreams, you have an option to enable ad lib uh, sound effects. No music. Uh, there was originally meant to be an animated intro uh, called you, you, you Gotta Eat Your Vegetables. Um, the song that Bobby Prince wrote gets reused in, in a later Commander Keen games, but the uh, Keen Dreams uh, has no music to speak of or intro or an end sequence or really much of anything. I, I mean, it's mandated by its size. Softdisk said that all of their games, all the programs have to fit in 360, on the 360 floppy. Um, it's not a lot to work with. It's not a lot to work with. And the graphics are, like we said, technically fairly advanced. They're just ugly. So, <laughs> so yeah. So uh, the game has been released, re-released multiple times over, but towards the end of the 90s, whatever the entity owned, uh, the Gamer's Edge properties at the time and Softdisk properties did release it for free. So it was officially freeware. I technically don't know how it works when you release something in freeware when you take it back. Uh, I don't know if that's even... Mm. Uh, legally, I don't think it should be possible. So if you really want to play King Dreams now, it's not legally available anywhere else you know like for a proper release just a new port which i would dissuade you from buying is not available but you can still play king dreams uh, and if you're very staunchly against piracy you can always well it's been it it's been freeware for 20 years so i don't know how it works when something was freeware and then became not freeware but i'd say that original the freeware version of it is still freeware uh, no matter what you do. Even if later versions aren't, you don't need to play the later versions. Play the late 90s free release in DOSBox. It works just fine. Uh, I, I don't think you're going to be sticking with it for long. Uh, <laughs> but even if you do, it's really not It's not a long game. So if you do stick with it and you decide to beat it, I think you can beat it in like 30-40 minutes. Fairly, well, I can say effortlessly, but with, you know, you, you can do it. I believe in you. Just don't pay for it. Yeah, um, and, and it's worth mentioning, you know, uh, in, in 2014, there is that 3D Realms anthology release that had uh, Commander Keen games in there. This is not part of that. Yes. But however, all the other games uh, are. No, not the sixth one. Or, we'll, we'll not get, six, we'll I'm get, sorry. We'll Most get of to them. that too. So e even though in that package it says the Commander Keen complete set, it's not... Yeah, it's not. It's 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 very incomplete. <laughs> yes, uh, that sort of confused me because because I, I had that on on Steam. I bought that you know a long time ago off of. Uh, well, now it's called Fanatical. I forget what it was yeah, called yeah, yeah. before. That's, and uh, that that release is not actually part of the Three Dreams Anthology. Three Dreams Anthology was yet another release on top of that. I I own multiple. I have like multiple Commander Keens in my Steam library because of this. Um, I see, and and the three D realms anthology had a good CD that would had covers of the music oh, of the different stuff. In there. Oh no 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 no! It never had a well. It, well, it, okay, it had, it had, a, a, it had a, picture. a digital album. Whatever. It had, a, it had an album, but it had a it, it had a picture of CD on the website to display. MP3s, it, but, but, yes, but it was never released physically. I wish that they actually made that box. But either way, that's not available anymore either. So, um, yep, they 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 pretty they, limited they, window. They sold off their properties as well. So. Uh, I think Gearbox now owns everything, and then somebody else owns everything else. And 
um, interceptor on the three two realms name. So um, it, ma- it makes it not easy. To, I mean, you can you can find these oh, things yeah, if you, you can, want to. It's not that hard. But yeah, the, the point is, if you see something called the Commander Keen complete pack, it's not complete. Absolutely not. Uh, but we're moving on, and just yes. uh, in nineteen, just a day apart from the release of the original, a year and a day apart from the release of the original uh, trilogy, the new uh, trilogy gets released. Well, sort of. I mean, the idea, original idea, mm. and you can read all the fl- uh, the the plans for it. So they planned uh, the new trilogy, right? It was, you know, another three, essentially three episode game, as was standard for the time. Originally, the uh, the original game was in EGA. the The plan was to make all kinds of new versions available. the uh, uh, The EGA, you know, the standard sort of a thing, uh, um, a CGA version that will be compatible with older computers and a VGA version designed for the uh, now popular and more affordable VGA standard, um, which would also include music uh, that would be Sound Blaster exclusive, not just AdLib, but also incorporate, I guess, some samples and whatnot, some digital samples. Well, that whole VGA part didn't happen, neither was the advanced music. And the whole thing wasn't even three episodes because Apogee got the rights to distribute the the original, uh, the shareware episode, episode four, then the registered version only, episode five, and they sold off uh, the third episode to uh, Frogware, I guess. Um, so uh, episode six was retail only. Well, you know, th- things happen. <laughs> uh, but it's a giant... It's a giant technological leap. If you don't count the Keen Dreams, the the difference between the original Shareware game and and the new one is is quite drastic. You get all those things that we discussed before, the sort of uh, angled perspective on the levels, um, but uh, ad lib sound and music. And uh, you get all kinds of stuff. The, the you get moving platforms, you get angled surfaces, which I guess for the platformer were fairly well. I mean, Mario Three had angled stuff already, uh, but again, fairly unusual for a platformer. And the whole thing is super colorful, looks very nice, has lots of variety. And to me, like I'm not a fan of the original uh, trilogy, but. Uh, I like these new games, especially episode five, the registered episode. Have you replayed them recently? I, I did, and um, I, I agree with what what you said for the most part. You know, the use of color in this is much better than in Keen Dreams, and um, just having backgrounds in there and having the the music so much uh, character to the game. Because in that first one, the backgrounds would be like a solid color of gray or, or blue, like very very simple, like what was in uh, Duke Nukem One or one of those games, and and this. It looks more like a, a lived-in world that that you're exploring. It it has just more character all around, and, and you also have a different mechanic with a uh, with a stun gun mm-hmm. that you can get rid of enemies uh, for good, but it only has special ammo. So that adds a bit more variety to the gameplay. I think when you play this, I got the the feeling uh, this is kind of the game they wanted to make all along. They just didn't have the tech to do it. Yes, they progressed as designers. You can tell by and Adrian Carmack's art, by the way, is wonderful. The uh, the the enemies, oh, yeah. the enemy variety, and their designs are 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 really good. And and King himself looks really cool. And he's got like you can you can grab onto the ledges, and he like pulls himself up. 
uh, onto the things. Uh, we should mention that the pogo stick is still there and is on a separate button, which you can just hold and call, and he'll just you know like mid jump. Yeah, um, and that makes things more convenient. But uh, yes, this, the overall style and everything, you still get that one hit death thing. But there, just like in the first game, there are enemies that just push you instead of hurting you. Uh, it's still a really hard game, but uh, it's much more pleasant to play. Just overall, I think that's. It feels like. You know, first game does, besides the whole technological advance thing, first game does feel like, you know, three guys making a game in, th- in three <laughs> months. You know, it really, sure. it's very much like it. it. It almost has programmer art and it's, there is nothing particularly polished or special about it. In retrospect, I say. Uh, I feel like you look at it now, it, you'd be hard pressed to, to show to somebody who didn't have a nostalgic connection to it and they'd be like, oh yes, sure. You know what I mean? Like, uh, it's 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 outdated and antiquated in many ways. Uh, it's cute and fine. It's a fine game. Not saying it's bad, but however, like the jump to this, like this is all around. The the, the levels are are, are are pretty cool. The design of, of graphics, the style of graphics, uh, the music, everything works uh, um, really uh, really really well, uh, in my opinion, and. Also, I feel like it's free of the shareware curse because uh, I feel that the second episode, the registered episode, episode five, uh, the Armageddon machine. Yes, um, that's the name. Yep. I feel that one has the best levels. And that's the one that took shortest to make because I actually have, where is this? Let me pull it up. Um, I have uh, the official stats from both Tom Holland and uh, John Romero. So King 1 and 3 was three months for the whole thing. King, King 4 uh was three months concurrent development with kin dreams two months kin five one month and kin six two months one i mean one month those guys must have been working so much and you're just in the zone you had just done episode four and like you're you're really in the groove you know what you're doing with it that's astonishing to me yeah but one, it's mostly, one month to make. It's just, but let's face it, episode five also doesn't have anything much new. It's just like no, more new just... tiles for levels, a couple of new tiles for you know sprites for the monsters, and it's mostly just the new set of levels. But, so they can focus on the design and not the have the art. But it's very much, much you can tell time. they're not tired just yet because you can tell they're tired by <laughs> by episode six. Oh sure, uh, episode six, the retail one, uh, ouchie. Uh, mm. not good and also full of bugs uh, aliens know. ate my babysitter this great, this box art great is title as, though box art uh, yeah the title the box art reminds me of like the uh, infamous terrible box art for the American and European releases of Mega, Mega Man, Man 2 but I mean it's yeah. more stylistically it's much more consistent like it's 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 cool it's shaded it just I don't think it's a style that fits a Commander King game the, the alien on the box looks fine. It looks like an alien from the game, and you have the spaceship. It's just the it's the proportions of the um, of Commander Keen himself. <laughs> yeah, something looks off. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah I, I wish they should have like done like what the what Adrian Carmack did for the for the title art. The title art on the new games is also really good. Um, yeah, title art's delightful. Yes. But, uh, with Keen like running away from various things <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, throughout the episodes. Yeah, it, it, it's really cool. Um, but uh, I, I I do recommend, like I I wholeheartedly recommend playing episodes four and five 
of Commander Keen. I think overall they're technically cool. They, because of the, yes, they're in EGA 16 color, but because of how well the palette is used, it sort of gives that sort of timeless PC quality to it. Uh, it's very smartly made. Uh, some le- some levels can be frustrating, but I think it's overall they're, they're, they're very well designed um, episodes and they're fun. Those are the ones that I go back to. Um, not the original trilogy, but the episode four and five of the second trilogy. Certainly. I mean, if you're going to play one, play play those. Although it, it is interesting to do do what I did this past week and kind of play bits and pieces of the, the games in, in context so you can kind of see the rise and fall of how things made and uh, of how the series progressed over time. Aliens ate my babysitter. I mean, the box art even picks off the John Carmack, and, and he blamed the box art on the lower-than-expected sales. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I mean, it's a retail. Re- it, it's weird with retail releases of PC games. Like, see, the thing is, like, what you have. I mean, again, 1990 is a pretty big year for PC gaming, and they're big, expensive games. And I don't know if that would compete uh, well with <laughs> it because, again, shareware games yeah. were in their own tier. They were making money on their own just because you know the markup was so high and the teams were small and the turnaround was fast, but. You know, at this point, Sierra already made like close to a million dollar, you know, budgeted games. Um, completely different market to me. So it it, it does feel uh, like it. And it's fairly high. Let me see. Let me pull up because I also have the, the price price list here. Uh, okay. So the order list from the Commander King 4 shareware. Commander King Goodbye Galaxy. That's the episodes one and two. You can buy together for $35. Uh, you could order Aliens Ate My Babysitter through Apogee for also $35. And you can get both the episodes... Four, that's the thing. You can get both episodes 4 and 5 and Aliens Ate My Babysitter for $65. And you can get the, all of the games and save $10 for $90. Um, 90 Oof. That's yeah. a lot. I just feel like it's a little bit too much for the time. I mean, I have no evidence to... To back for just up. one episode, sure. Uh, I feel that yes, for paying thirty-five dollars, even you know, at the time it would be common to pay thirty-five dollars and get three episodes of stuff. So there's already that thing where you only get two episodes, but okay, they're high quality, right? So and Aliens at My Babysitter, weird box art, retail, thirty-five dollars. Uh, and you know, sixty-five for for all three. That just feels like, like I don't know if I would have done. You know what I mean? Like if I at the time was a bit older and had the money, had the money, I probably would not have spent the sixty-five dollars. Uh, no, but I I do remember as a kid playing these uh, id software and Apogee games and, and looking at the advertisements for things and being, oh, wouldn't it be fun to have all this money and get these games in the mail and all these different episodes. Because um, with these shareware releases, like with the that very first uh, Commander Keen Invasions of the Vorticons, uh, that's a lot of game in there for one episode that you're getting for free in the yes. shareware. It's it's almost and, and same I'm, with Doom the, episode one, right? Oh, yeah. Or Wolfenstein oh, yeah. one. All of yeah. them, all of them. It, it's just yeah. so weird. Uh, hell, even Quake. Uh, but it's like it's so weird to think how much you got for free, and then. Literally, to get the coax out, the payment out of you, the rest was like, you know, you're going to get more. 
<clears throat> of the same usually, but 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 more, and it's only like thirty five, forty dollars. They raised the price a little bit for for Wolfenstein three D, but understandably so. That was a revolutionary game that they knew they could milk. Um, uh, and by the way, uh, I mean, let's face it: the last three episodes of Wolfenstein three D are garbage. <laughs> to this day, I would meet a lot of people now older who have like. Uh, nostalgic attachment to the era, and a lot of them will admit to never actually buying the sure uh, the the retail the the the, re- the registered versions just because you got a lot. I mean, for free. I mean, how many people played just a shareware version of of Doom? Right. Or uh, I mean, this example isn't exactly shareware, but I, I think of things like what Diablo came with two CDs, and you could bring it to your friend's house and do multiplayer oh, although God, I, I forgot that practice somebody recently sh- showed yeah. me some it wasn't diablo but but they showed me another box yeah. which had two discs in a box and command like, and conquer right one was not one was gdi it, it was and you could do that yes uh, but there was something that specifically just had two copies of the same game and literally discs the discs were embedded in the big box artwork on the outside and i just saw the two discs and i was like Oh my hmm. god, remember those days? But I forget, it was some war game, like something not very popular. Oh, but, okay. But, but it was like, I, I looked at it, it was literally like uh, a week ago. And uh, I was like, uh, like I forgot this existed. <laughs> yeah, it was a short period of time when, you know, the, the internet wasn't quite what it was. It was sort of limited and the dial-up. I mean, I, I would play Command & Conquer long distance with my uncle um, and that got very expensive. Staying on topic with Commander Keen, it is worth seeking out these games and playing them. Are they the best games in the world? No, but historically they're important. They're important. And uh, to see the the huge uh, increase of uh, effort and, and graphics and gameplay and how much the music brings to it in the uh, EPS 4 and 5 compared to 1, 2, and 3 – and to kind of take that journey is a, is a lot of fun, and I'd, I'd recommend it. Um, also, oddly enough, there's a uh, a Game Boy Color that's a version that's a brand new game, I guess. Yeah, not good. Yeah, no, not good, but that, that they did an original Keen game instead of a port yeah. is somewhat it, notable, it, I suppose, it, for it Completist. It is notable. There's, there is another Commander Keen game license coming out. Um, oh, that looks terrible! It looks uh, terrible. I do. People always say like, "Oh, it looks." Like, I do like that um, that trailer, not the gameplay trailer, but the the animated cartoon mm-hmm. trailer. I'm. I wish there was like. I don't even care what genre it is. Like, I would almost play like a Commander Keen adventure game with that look. But from that look in the actual game, it looks like there is nothing. Um, in the thing, uh, Commander Keen Seven is teased in the text. <laughs> um, uh, at the end of of the new Commander Keen games, uh, Quake is teased in the in a in a text of the original trilogy in 1990. Uh, weirdly, just a name, really. Uh, that's when it refers to Quake the Hammer. Oh yeah, um, so like Thor. I, I vaguely yes. remember when was the original idea? It was going to be uh, an RPG flavor uh, text. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but uh, uh, so Commander Keen Seven and VGA never ended up happening because. Um, it's software and Apogee released Wolfenstein 3D and the rest was history. <laughs> but I think what if they had made, let's say Aliens ate my babysitter, blew everyone's socks off and sold a lot of copies and maybe id Software or they farmed it to someone else, did a VGA episode 7. Uh, 
I would like to see what that Commander Keen would have looked like at that time in proper VGA. I think he could have had... Yes, I, I also think uh, that was a little bit of a missed opportunity, but again, after the fact, because, you know, remember that in software also split um, from Apogee. Uh, yes. After Wolfenstein right. 3D, because they figured out <laughs> why have somebody else take uh, the money, yeah. t- t- take the money for, the money for for just essentially taking the money orders, where we could just do do it on our own and then release Doom and then started buying expensive cars left and right. And so, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it worked out really well for them. But they did the, you know, like they did farm Heretic and Hexen to Raven with an oversight, right? So. Uh, sure. It wouldn't be out of the question. Uh, I guess if the first-person shooter genre didn't pick up uh, as it did, uh, didn't blow up as it did, it wouldn't be out of question to to see another Commander Keen game, even though the rights were weird, right? Part of the rights were owned by... Well, the, the Apogee slash 3D Realms owned the name, then Keen Dreams was owned by a different company, and then uh, Aliens Ate My Babysitter was owned by, by another entity. But again, Apogee owned the name. But even though I guess they could technically make their own Commander Keen game, um, they never really did, apart from that Game Boy Color um, thing, which is a little bit weird. I guess there was some kind of a respect at the time, because there's certainly a recognition for the brand in the 90s. I mean, those games were legendary. But yeah. Uh, what, wasn't there a Commander Keen corpse in a secret room of one of the Doom games or uh, Wolfenstein? Doom 2. Doom 2, uh, okay. The, the map 32, after you mm. kill the cyber demon where the boss of the original Wolfenstein was at, in, at uh, E1M9, in the original Wolfenstein. Uh, the only way to exit... Uh, the level you would come in and there are four commander kings hanged um, <laughs> from from like this little structure and you kill all of them they do the PC speaker sound not actual PC speaker sound but digitized PC speaker sound when you shoot them and when you shoot them the, the guts drop off and their their heads drop <laughs> and the nooses stay and when you kill all four of them the switch opens and that switch takes you back to map 17 um, pretty funny and then of course there's a skull and a Commander Keen helmet in Doom 2016 on the Hell level. Oh, uh, yeah. And we might as well talk about some running gags that we haven't mentioned. Uh, well, first, before we get to the big one, the standard galactic alphabet uh, is introduced in the first Commander Keen game where there are symbols on the wall which coincide with actual letters of the uh, you know Latin alphabet. Uh, and you can, if you decipher it, um, you can get little messages throughout the game. Both games, at, uh, I think Episode 3 and Aliens Ate My Babysitter are the only episodes that contain the entire key for the entire alphabet. Um, but again, they're later episodes, so you would ideally would have to decipher the rest on your own. Uh, and of course, the big... we The, the mascot of, of first-person shooter games... Uh, is introduced in Commander Keen 4 we get uh, Dope Fish, dope fish um, which is uh, it's weird how that took off right like it almost feels like what we refer to as forced meme yeah M- meaning it well, it didn't take over naturally uh, it just people started working it in and it became a legendary meme but you can see Dopefish in 
referenced in, in, in many, many other games, starting with Tom Hall's uh, Rise of the Triad. Uh, it he made for Apogee, and then it appeared in uh, Wacky Wheels, uh, Quake. And, uh, what, what else? Uh, Deus Ex? Uh, uh, I don't remember. Is it in Max Payne somewhere? Uh, not sure. Uh, but also... I think also in Doom 2016, but and also a whole bunch of games I'm missing because it's it's in a lot of games. It is uh, another thing that um, came to mind in my research with Commander Keen. There, it does have a modding community. I can't say it's the most active modding community, oh, yeah. but but there's there's level editors for both uh, DOS and, and Windows, and um, people are are still making levels every now and then uh, to this day. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly, you you did not have a whole lot of games being packaged with level editors in you know in the early 90s um that's something you really wouldn't see until later but that that it inspired people to kind of make their own level they hack their own level editor and make their own game and and still continue it all these years later shows that there is a a fan base there and i I really should check out some of those sometime i think there might be some good ones out there yeah the, the, the games generally are fondly remembered for a reason they were both technological breakthrough as well as they were very widely available and and had fairly low system requirements for the time which means they were very accessible sure like a lot of people who had computers at the time played those games uh also of course when we get to the era of shovelware cds uh, of just you know cds you can buy for 10 14 dollars which would just you know cds were hard to manufacture but guess what and internet or bbs's were not accessible but guess what you combine the two together you can make yourself some money get a bunch of get yourself a bunch of free stuff like hundreds of games throw them on a cd make a bunch of those sell them for 10 or 14 bucks 15 10 or 15 bucks essentially free money uh, and there was a lot of companies that jumped on that so a lot of people were exposed to a lot of dust shareware through those sources and Commander Keen was certainly a big part of it. Indeed. I mean, on those uh, compilation discs, they, they would also throw random stuff on there, like clip art. and It was just that, whatever. Whatever they can do Just whatever. Free. I mean, I'm sure archive.org has some of those things. But there's oh, yes. It has a lot. Dozens and dozens, dozens, if not hundreds of those things oh, were just, released. I, I probably think thousands, not even hundreds. Like. Wow. I, okay. Uh, it's uh, because everybody I mean let's think if you think about it in the manufacturing sort of stuff I mean that feels like really cheap I mean you wouldn't be doing it in a home you would be in a duplication facility right so and in a duplication facility you would assume you would need to make X amount of each one and that number would be fairly large right uh, so you spend some time and uh, if you have a decent connection or whatever how long does it take to download almost the entireties of, of game like directories from multiple BBSs, right? And enough until you just can feel like 600 megabytes. Uh, it feels like such an effortless thing. Uh, just takes time and a little bit of investment, but the return, I'm sure, is huge. Sure, and and, and the price was was a big reason for those being, uh, you know, bestsellers and why they kept making them. Right, because a normal person couldn't burn a CD. A normal person also wouldn't. Sp- you know how much it would cost, even if you got on the BBSs. You know how 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 long <laughs> it would take to download 600 megs worth of games like so of of course it would would make sense to pay 15 bucks and just get it all in one place of course it made perfect sense so it's like it's a perfect business that filled the niche that existed for a very short amount of time 
and was also you know like you would like you know ideally you'd know that all the stuff that you get on a disc is free right it's free to distribute you would be free to copy it to your friends but the amount of it and the ease of accessibility is what really made it you wouldn't mind paying $15 for stuff that essentially was free just to have it all in one place in you know as soon as you hand the cash over it's the novelty right like oh 500 games for 20 bucks that's uh I don't know, ten cents a game or whatever. Yeah, exactly. And maybe, maybe fifteen of them would be good. Yeah, but still, <laughs> it's, still... especially if you're a little kid, a oh, younger yeah, kid you that doesn't care. know any better, that keeps yes. you entertained for the oh, whole summer. My God. Like, yes. yeah, it's wonderful. Like I, uh, I, I never went through this myself because, see, in Russia there was no copyright law, so you just got CDs full of, you know, actual games, <laughs> which was a better deal. Yeah, better deal, uh, sure. Uh, like I, I still got some around with like a hundred and seventy. Of games and like all of them are like Doom, Warcraft, Do- Dune Two. I-, I mean, talk about a summer. It wasn't summer. It's like half of my life. I oh, own sure. those CDs because uh, there's just like you get hundreds and hundreds of actual quality games. <laughs> but come to think of it, I-, I don't know if they did this for Commander Keen. I know they did this for for Doom Episode One certainly. But in the United States, you would go to a gas station. And you could get the shareware episode, which is free, for well, like five dollars. That was the thing, because they like specifically said provide your own. Well, nine ninety five was a recommended retail price, but they specifically they got in because when they got they, they also got an in and that was their in in the retail because they didn't so have smart. the right to be in the retail. Yeah, yeah the, it just made quite a lot of right decisions uh, regarding both their products and the distribution at the same time, it at the right time at the right place. Uh, and it worked out really well for them. And in looking at the box art of some of these compilation CDs oh. or those episode <laughs> one, is quite funny. Um, so, oh, some yeah. aren't bad, but, but some are. Oh no! Uh, it looks like they gave to their you know teenage son yeah, or and he can intern or something to, like, to do to like uh, an album of clip art and 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 fifteen minutes. But yeah, it, it's funny to think of those uh, bygone era. To which, sure. uh, let's circle around, to which Commander Keen certainly belongs to. Uh, I would encourage you, I would I would legitimately encourage anyone who hasn't played, who missed those sort of things, to play the episode 4 and 5. And, of course, for historical purposes, you also want to check out um, all the rest of them. Um, don't pay for Keen Dreams. Uh, and, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's all I have to say. What do you have to say, sir? Oh, let me think. Uh, you summed it up pretty well. I mean, it's it for me as a kid that grew up on Nintendo stuff and came to PC later to to kind of see how the side-scrolling stuff evolved in PC was like a whole new world I didn't know anything about. And and Commander Keen was the first game like this I saw on a PC. And it and I said, you know, for a, a Mario knockoff, this isn't this really isn't bad. I expected it to be much worse. Um, so it. You know, side scrollers are just as valid on a PC as on a console, and and to get that kind of arcade action at the time, I just cannot stress enough. But with the scrolling screens, how big of a deal that was. There was a uh, oh hell, what's the name of that? There was one of those like thousand page books you could buy for fifty dollars from Barnes and Noble that was like the secrets of the side scrolling game programming gurus or something <laughs> that that showed the source code of how to do this. And on the back, it, it quoted maybe Tom Hall saying, like, oh, no, they're giving away my secrets. Uh, that if, if you can find that book, that might make a neat companion piece to playing through these games if you want to look at the I, source code. I, I actually think I have one of those. 
Um, I'm not sure which ones. I I have a bunch of those. Uh, There's quite a few of them back in the day, but it's. I have the the main graphics programming ones, like Anthony Lamoth ones, and the 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 I have like the the fourth edition of the CGA UGA IBM graphics oh, wow. vector huh. uh, program. They're thick. They're yes. They're big. Not not books. easy reading, and they'd have typos in the source code sometimes. So that was fun. Oh, just interesting graphical techniques. Yes, makes, makes you appreciate. Makes you appreciate uh, old stuff and old era, that era of programming IBM PC hardware, and it also makes you glad that it's gone. It, yeah, it um, it gave, it took away. It, it was a unique time in in gaming, which is why we're talking about it. And I guess I'll end on this note, which I cannot believe. In January, this is so stupid. In January 2018, John Romero and Tom Hall on Twitter said that Billy Blaze, the hero of Commander Keen, is the grandson of Wolfenstein protagonist B.J. Blaskowitz, and he's the father well, of the Doom guy. Well, that was the part that they confirmed, because the previous one was, was established a long time ago in a, in a, in a Wolfenstein 3D um, handbook. Uh, but uh, before we leave, where, where can the, all the good people find you online, sir? Sure. Uh, on Twitter, I'm at M-A-T-W-B-T. Um, my, uh, I also do a podcast on yeah, mainly movies. Sometimes it touches on video games called Sequel Cast 2 and Friends. That is at SequelCast2.com. Uh, we just started a, a spinoff podcast that's on there called uh, Sierra Quest to Adventure Game is Human, where me and my co-host William Thrasher are looking at Sierra Online's adventure games from the very beginning with Mystery House all the way up to Gabriel Knight 3. Cool. So that's going to take years, and we might never finish it. We kind of do an episode when we can. Uh, we have, uh, I think, just sort of a, an introductory episode and one on uh, – we're about to record one on Wizard and the Princess. Oh, good luck. Uh, that's better than that fucking, like, 10-disc time whatever, the time quest, whatever the hell that was called. Oh, yeah, the one at which they thought they can charge $200 for? Yes, awful. I mean, it was kind of ahead of like Phantasmagoria. That was the seven CDs that they charged at sixty nine ninety nine. Uh, but yeah, so I mean, yeah, those are the places people can find me at. And uh, yeah, no, I, I appreciate the opportunity to be on the show again and talk about old games. It's always a lot of fun. Thank yeah, you. It's, uh, you're always welcome to be back. Uh, anybody is welcome to be back or or be on for the first time. If any of your wonderful listeners you, uh, you have an idea or a topic that you can talk about. For an hour or so, please give me a message on Twitter at Das Nostalgic or any places where you can find me, where you can use the search engine of your choice to to search for Das Nostalgia. I'll be there, and you too can be here talking about old Das games. Well, uh, thank you everybody for listening to this episode. Um, and uh, I hope we'll uh, see each other again on another episode of Das Nostalgia Podcast. Goodbye. <laughs>